You're listening to Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. All right, that is the Nicene Creed. I think we're having technical difficulties. We may or may not actually be live. Uh, so if you can't... Okay, are you guys finding the feed? Any chance? No? Now? Oh, hi, everybody. Isn't it funny, right? As I throw the camera around, everybody's there. All right, okay, so now we are live. And, uh, and so you guys can click to share that feed. Um, if you have your Bibles, would you go ahead and grab them? We're going to be in a few different places today. Um, last time, we studied Jesus, right? Um, we studied the Jesus portion of the Nicene Creed um, that, uh, that reads like this. And we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. And what we learned last week was that Jesus is the same substance as God the Father. They are not two different gods. There is not God and then he made Jesus. It is Jesus pre-existed all time because he is God the Father and was with God the Father. And it's this beautiful understanding of the triune God. And we'll understand the Trinity next week when we talk about the Holy Spirit. But there is so much to discuss about Jesus that I thought I can't do it in one week. I literally can't talk about Jesus enough in one week. So I have devoted my whole life to talking about Jesus. Um, But for this series, we're breaking up the Jesus paragraph into two. And today we're going to study this portion. Jesus, who for us men, that'd be all of us, and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. Incarnate's a fancy word for being wrapped in flesh. He wrapped himself in flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary and was made man. And then he was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried, and then, and this is the part we're going to focus on, on the third day, he rose again, according to the scriptures, and then he ascended into heaven, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about the fact that Jesus didn't just die on the cross and then raise from the dead, but he is still actively doing ministry, and he's doing ministry in some specific ways, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. So Jesus suffered, died, and was buried. Third day rose again, ascended into heaven. This is really cool. He was up and back into heaven. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, and later he will come again in glory. Now, you guys have your Bibles. Uh, Go ahead and flip with me to Mark chapter 16 second gospel in the new testament so about two-thirds of the way through the bible you'll find matthew then mark and we're going to be in mark chapter 16 we're just going to read um one verse today from mark if i can find mark matthew's a really long book so keep flipping until you find mark mark chapter 16 right near the end of mark okay and jesus has suffered died and been buried and he has risen again and now in verse 19 it says this. This is the, 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 the second to last verse in the Gospel of Mark. The Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, his disciples, he was taken up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. 
So it's not just that we read this from the Nicene Creed, which is great. We love what the Nicene Creed teaches us because it teaches us what Scripture already teaches us in a very concise way. But we must go back to Scripture. And Scripture tells us the Lord Jesus, after he spoke to them, was taken up into heaven. And boy, I wish I could be a fly on the wall or like a lizard on a rock and see what that looked like to see Jesus taken up into heaven. But he was taken up into heaven and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And this is significant language. This is incredibly significant. When it says Jesus sat down, that means something for our faith this morning. And that's kind of what we want to talk about. Now flip to Hebrews, would you? Um, keep going forward in, uh, in the New Testament. Hebrews, if you get to Peter, it's too far. Um, if you hit Romans, not far enough. So um, you want to find Hebrews. And we are going to be the very beginning of Hebrews, chapter 1. Here's where I'll pray for the reading of the word this morning. So if you find Hebrews chapter 1, just stick your finger there. Lord, um, we've gathered together to worship you this morning through the reading of your word. As we study about you uh, through your revealed word, we pray that we would be changed because of it. That we would understand you a little bit better. That we would know your love for us a little bit more richly. As we study the fact that you sat down. That you completed something, that you finished something, that you were done, therefore you rested at the right hand of the Father. I pray that we might find rest and peace in the fact that you sat. May you receive all the glory and the honor. And all God's children said, Amen. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, and at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, capital S, Jesus Christ, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Here we go again, understanding the depth of who Jesus is, the Son of God, and also the one by whom all things were made. And Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, the very same substance. That's what that language means. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Not just for a moment. Think about what that sentence means. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. How many of you can uphold anything with the word of your power? Hmm? Say to a Star, stay in its place. Command a paper airplane to fly longer, right? Because mine just nosedive. Even as much as I cheer one on and fold one on. If I throw a paper airplane, I can't be like, keep going! It doesn't. Gravity, okay? Right? Gravity. But Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. All Jesus has to do to sustain the universe is say, so be it. And it is sustained. I mean, that's, that's how he created in the beginning when we read, through whom he created the world, right? Jesus created the world by speaking. The word of God said, let there be light. And there it was. Right? It didn't exist before then. There it was. The word of God said, planets, there they were fish poof right? 
all by his word. His word is so powerful that it creates something out of nothing. And then he uses that word to uphold the universe. And his word is truth and his word is life. And it is that truth and that life that upholds everything that we know. Let's continue. Now, after making purification for sins, dying on the cross for the sins of the world, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. Jesus did work and then sat down. How many of you have done physical labor at any point in your life? Really hard work, you know, yard work, um, your parents made you do work, right? Blaze is like, yeah. Um, <laughs> when, I was, when I was in, the summer before we got married, um, I needed money because I was poor and getting married. And uh, I worked for uh, one of those companies, you guys, a temp agency, you know, where you can go and they give you whatever job they happen to have on hand that day. And you just say yes because you need the job, right? Um, and, uh, and so I went in and they said, hey, uh, actually they called me because I was on the list. They said, hey, we've got a job for you. We need you to drive to this ranch. Uh, and they're going to give you work for the day, $12 an hour. And I said, that is fantastic. I will be there. So I went to this ranch, and I dressed up, you know, in my, my work pants and my work boots, right? And I showed up, and, uh, and the lady greeted me. She goes, okay, um, I've got a job for you to do. It's going to take you all day to do it. Uh, do you see over on that side of the field that small mountain? I said, yeah. She goes, when you get closer, it'll get bigger. <laughs> I said, and it's all gravel. And there'll be a wheelbarrow and a shovel. And I need you to take that and move it over there. And this doesn't tell you how far that was. It was really far. Really, 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 really far. And it wasn't traveling over a road. It was traveling over pasture lands. There were bumps and the ground, and soft and bumpy in certain places. There were big rocks. I had to navigate this wheelbarrow. And if any of you have tried to carry gravel in a wheelbarrow across soft earth, it is not easy, right? And at that point in time in my life, I was young and strapping, right? And it was challenging work, okay? I did not make much of a dent in that. I worked hard, right? And shoveling into the wheelbarrow and going and dumping it. To this day, I have no idea why. I had to do that. I'm sure it served some greater purpose, I hope. Otherwise, I don't know. Um, it was an exercise in discipline for me. All day long, back and forth, back and forth. By the end of the day, I was so blooming tired. My arms were aching from the shoveling. My back was aching from the shoveling. My legs were aching from lifting that wheelbarrow. And that was heavy. And moving it across, and then occasionally, I, it tipped over. And so you had to shovel all the stuff back into them. You know what I'm talking about, right? Hard work. So I got home that night, and I showered, and then I sat down. Oh, glorious chair that supported my body weight. And I did not have to move a muscle after that. I sat down, and I rested because my work was done. When we read in scripture, in Hebrews, when it says, after making purifications for the sins of the world, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's kind of the image that we are looking at. Jesus wrapped himself in flesh, 
came to earth, poured himself out for us, teaching us about the ways that God loves us, healing people, spending lots of time doing things for other people, and then ultimately willingly going to the cross and dying on it in our place for our sins, being buried. And then he came back to life, and I don't know how much energy that takes, but I can't do it, so a lot, I'm assuming, okay? He brought himself back to life, right? And then he did some more ministry with his disciples. And then he rose, went back into heaven, and his work was done. So he sat down. Jesus' purpose in coming to earth was to pay the penalty to cover the gap between our sinful nature and the holiness of God. And that's something we can't, we can't traverse on our own. Um, scripture tells us that the natural man, the man who is in sin and hasn't accepted Christ, cannot cover that gap, cannot get there on their own. We needed a mediator, and that's why God came, wrapped himself in flesh. He was the mediator, taking God's hand and our hand and saying, together again, this is the way it should have been. And when that atoning work was done, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father, he said, guess what? Sinful humanity and holy God can now be together again. And there is nothing that separates you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The work was done. In fact, when you read in the gospel accounts of the crucifixion, Jesus says a few things on the cross while he is suffering and dying. One of the things he says is the word to telestai. And the word to telestai means it is finished. It's one of the very last things Jesus said, and it's an interesting word to telestai because it has a couple different meanings. Um, one is a, a commerce term. So if you had gone to the bank and you had borrowed money from the bank um, and you had done what you did with that money and then you earned your profit back and you go back to the bank and you take them their money plus interest and you say, to telestai, I have paid my debt in full. You know, Here's your money back. So it's a commerce term saying the debt the money, the, the whatever was held against me is now paid back in full. It was also a servant's term. So a master would give a servant a job. Run to town and buy 76 figs for my figgy pudding. First example that came to mind. I don't even like figgy pudding. A servant goes to town, buys the figs, comes back presents the figs to the master and says, Tetelestai, I have completed the task you have given me, master. Okay. So we have a servant's completion of task. We have a, a debt commerce term. And then thirdly, the way this was used, it was once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would say, we need a spotless lamb for the sacrifice. So they would send all of their shepherd servants out into the fields to find the one perfect lamb to sacrifice for the sins of Israel. And when they would find that lamb, the servant who found that perfect, spotless, without a blemish, amazingly perfect lamb, they would shout so that everyone could hear, Tetelestai, and I imagine they would lift that lamb up over their head and say, Tetelestai, it is finished. I have found the sacrificial lamb. Three ways that this word was used in scripture. And when Jesus said it on the cross, he said to Telestai, he was saying those three distinct things. One, 
The debt is paid in full. No longer does sin have a hold on my people. I have paid the debt in full. They are ransomed and free. Number two, I'm a servant to God the Father, and the task he has given me is now done. It is completed. Number three, the spotless lamb, that was Jesus, to Telestai. He has completed the sacrifice for the sins, not just of Israel, not just, not just for the year, but for all people who will ever be born ever in time. All of those sins are wiped clean. That is a pretty big job. And so he rested. He sat down. He said, it is done. No more work needs be done. There is no law that will get you to heaven. There is no work that you can do that will earn yourself salvation. It is simply the fact that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and said, it is finished. He sat down and we can rest knowing that God has sat down and said, it's all taken care of. The only thing that we do is look in his direction in faith. And when we glance in his direction in faith, the gap is closed and we become one part of the family of God, right? It is finished. He accomplished the atoning work. He conquered death, defeated sin, and brought us into unity with God. But the cool thing about this is, is, I mean, right now, somewhere in heaven, I don't even know how to describe that to you. Like, we often look upwards and think, like, above the clouds. But I've flown in airplanes, right? And I used to think, like, when you were little, did you ever think that, like, the he like in above the clouds was, like, a little puffy cloud city where Jesus was? Am I the only one that ever thought that? No, I thought that. Okay, good. Thank you for not leaving me alone there, Blaze. Thank you for having my back. Um, but I've flown in airplanes. And I have not seen a puffy cloud city, right? And maybe it's much higher up than that, okay? Or maybe it exists in a plane that we can't see. I don't know exactly where this heaven is. But I do know it exists, and I do know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father right now in heaven. And he is ruling, and he is reigning, and he is interceding for his people. That would be us. But scripture tells us something else. If you flip to John 14... Oh, Jesus sat down. I'm way behind in my slides. We covered that one. Okay, how about this one? Jesus coming back. Flip to John 14. Fourth gospel in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you've hit Acts, you've gone too far. Um, John 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. And believe also in me. Jesus says, in my Father's house there are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. Isn't that great? So there's this thing that Jesus does where he dies on the cross for the sins of the world and he completes the atonement and we're all part of the family of God should we profess our faith in Christ, right? And he sits down and it's all done. But then he says, there's something else I'm going to do. I'm going to come back for you. I'm going to take you to be with me. I have made a place just for you. Jesus 
is coming back one day. He has not gone to heaven never to intersect his life with our life ever again. No. He is an active, passionate Father God who loves us so deeply. And he said, listen, I did my work on earth and it's completed. And now I'm going to go up and I'm going to rule and reign from heaven. But one day, at some point in time, I will come back and I will bring you home with me. And there will be a place for you at the banquet table in the kingdom of God. We will feast like an heir of God. That's pretty cool. There will be a room for you in the kingdom of heaven designed just for you. I mean, I'm not reading into this. Jesus says, there is a house with many rooms and I have prepared it for you. Not like you general, but you specifically. Jesus has a place for you specifically in the kingdom of God. And he will come back he will lead us there. We can't get there without him. He's the only way, the only truth, the only way to life. And he extends his hand. He says, I've, to Telestai, I've finished it all. So grab my hand. Let me take you to something that is far more glorious than you could ever imagine it to be. I have a room waiting for you. And we don't know when he's coming back. This is the tricky part. This is the part that people get caught up on. Like there's all kinds of books that are like Bible code books. And you know, if you take the seventh word and the sixth letter of that word and you add it all together, you get some sort of number. And all... Okay. <laughs> the scripture is very clear. Jesus is coming back and we don't get to know when. So let's not spend our time worrying about the date and the time, but rather... Let's spend our time in something far more profitable. If we believe that Jesus is the Son of God who wrapped himself in flesh and came to earth, poured himself out in ministry, died on the cross, said to Telestai, sat down at the right hand of the Father and then said, one day I'm coming back, then we must live according to that belief. And if you are a believer in Christ, if you are one that says, my hand is joined with Jesus' hand and God the Father's hand, and we're all one happily family, and we must live knowing that Jesus is coming back. We have hope. But if we stop there, we are stopping short of the ministry of Jesus Christ. It is not enough that we say, God's got a home for me. I'm so glad I get to go live in that kingdom with the Father. How selfish is that? We know Jesus is coming back. We know he died for the sins of the world. And we know people who do not know Jesus. Our theology has to impact our reality. And the reality is we all have friends and family members who do not yet know Jesus. And if when Jesus says, I am coming back soon, and he does multiple places in scripture, I'll be back soon for you. And if that soon is tomorrow, and we have not shared our love for Jesus and Jesus' love for us and Jesus' love for our neighbor with our neighbor? When Jesus comes back, where will that leave our neighbor? As Christians, it's great to have theology that says, I'm saved, my sins are forgiven. We have to go one step further than being a saved Christian and we need to be a sent Christian. We need to be a Christian that recognizes that there are people out there that are disconnected from God, whom God loves, whom God has called to be his children, whom God has said, I died for their sins, and I said to Telestai over their life, 
but now the church is the sent one. Now we are the incarnation of God's love in their life. We are wrapped in flesh, right? Because we are here, intangible people. And God has sent us into the world to go minister in his name, to tell people God loves you, God died for you, God rose for you, that's important, we should put that in there, right? And God is coming back for you. So will you look in faith at Jesus? I spent the past week at a district assembly, it's all the pastors in the state of Alaska for the Church of the Nazarene. We gather together and we sing songs and we worship and we study the word of God and um, we hear from a missionary speaker and we hear from a Sunday school um, uh, speaker who teaches us how to disciple even more, how to be intentional. Um, and it was so funny, they didn't connect the themes of the days. There was no overarching theme. It's like the, the missionary day had a theme and the Sunday school day had a theme. You ever been to a conference like that and they actually had a theme? So the missionaries, or the, the Sunday school's theme was uh, light a fire. Right? Just a little spark, light a fire. Catch on fire for the Lord. Missionary speaker, put some water in people's hands. <laughs> I just, I chuckled to myself because I think those are both great examples. You want to be a cup of cold water for people and you want to light a fire in them. So take which one you want, okay, and run with it. But don't be content to be a Christian that says, I've been saved and I'm going to heaven one day. Now I will sit down. Because our work here is not done. Because God's work here is not done. You know how many people in Ketchikan don't yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior? The majority. Right? We have about, what, just shy of 14,000 people in this town? And I've been preaching this for five or six years, ever since I've been here. It's only about 1,200 people that go to church. And we know that not everybody who goes to church is a believer. We have a lot of people in this town, close to 13,000 people, that are disconnected from Jesus. And if Jesus fulfilled his word and showed up in three minutes at 12.05, our island, our island, the people on our island, would not have eternity with Christ. Church, we've got work to do. Our theology has to impact our reality. We have to know that we are saved and then go take that knowledge to people who are thirsty for a cup of cold water, right? Or who have no spark in their life and need the hope and the warmth that Jesus brings. Go light a fire or throw some water on somebody. I don't care, but um, go do something in the name of Jesus for somebody. You know what I mean? This is how this impacts our life. More than just us. For other people. I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. The worship team is going to come lead us. And this time that we sing and that we worship might be a really good time for us to consider how we are sent ones. We've got a trip planned to Africa next year, right? That's what we think of missions. We have someone from our own that is going on a missions trip here. And if it won't embarrass them, I would love to pray with them because I think they're leaving. You want to come forward? Is that awkward and embarrassing? We want to send you. You guys know Andrea? I didn't tell her I was going to do this. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Ukraine? Russia. 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 Siberian. 
Siberia. Siberia. Right? This isn't something the church has organized. This is something the Lord has laid on her heart to go and to serve. This is exactly what being sent means. Siberia. Africa. The grocery store here in Ketchikan. (laughs) It's all being sent. And it's all for the glory of God. So I'd like to pray with you. And church, if you all want to come and stand right here and lay hands on Andrea. Lord, we're thankful that you sent your son to this earth to die for the sins of the world, to raise again from the dead, conquering sin and death forever for all people, that you went to heaven and you've made a place for us, and that, Lord, you've called us to call other people. Thank you for Andrea and her willingness to go, to hear the call and to say, it's expensive and it's scary, And I don't know the people I'm going with, but I'm going with Jesus. Thank you for providing for her. Thank you for the team that you're sending, that you've crafted to do medical missions, to heal people's body in the name of Jesus. May that open a door for gospel conversation so that not just bodies are healed, but souls are mended by the blood of Christ. I pray that you'd encourage her heart as she prepares. I pray that you'd encourage her heart as she travels. I pray that you would keep her strengthened spiritually and physically and mentally for the work that you have prepared for her. I pray you'd keep her on her toes, that you'd surprise her with your grace, with your mercy, and with circumstances that are far larger than she can do on her own. Lord, I pray this for all of us as well. Our hands might be on Andrea as we send her to a remote part of the world. But you've called all of us to go. And so as we commission her, we also recognize we are commissioned to go. As we sing this song in closing, we pray that our hearts would be motivated to go, to be sent, to be poured out, to help connect other people to this great hope that we have in Jesus be all the glory and the honor and we pray this in the name of jesus and all god's children said amen amen you've just heard a message from ketchikan church of the nazarene to learn more about our church or to support our ministries you can visit ktnnaz.org Thank you.